We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome to another special episode of Outside the Trenches. I'm BJ Kissel, joined as always by six-year NFL vet, Super Bowl champion, and former K-State All-American, Nick Leckie. But Nick, we have got another special guest on this episode in longtime NFL athletic trainer, Aaron Borgman. Spent time with the Rams, was with Coach Reed in company with the Eagles, and then came here to Kansas City and worked for a few seasons with the Chiefs. Aaron, what is going on, my man? It has been too long. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's great to be here. So I want – we're all going to kind of share stories because it's obviously the bye week. We're not coming off a game normally this episode. That's what we break down. But uh, because of some of the the topical things happening in the NFL and somebody that we've all got an opinion about um, and Alex Smith, because I do want to talk about that. We've touched on it before, uh, but with him putting up career numbers in their game yesterday, it just makes that story that much better. And Aaron, I know you have a great relationship with Alex. So I want to get to that, but I kind of want this episode to be about that. So sure. we're going to talk injuries, just Nick, your relationship with athletic trainers when you were playing and just kind of share some stories as we go through this and then obviously talk a little bit about just the bye week and then obviously the game on Sunday night football against the Raiders and one quick plug here that we are going to have our live watch party from the Freight House location uh, to be myself, Craig Stout and Kent Swanson from Arrowhead Pride and then former Chiefs offensive lineman Jeff Allen is also going to be joining us for that so it's during the game, it's just a second screen party so just hang out, watch the game with us we're going to give away some barbecue, we're going to tell some stories, we've got some other special guests dropping in as well just people stopping by to hang out with us for a little bit to watch the game again thanks to our good friends at jack stack barbecue if you haven't get the new outside the trenches game day pack from jack stack you can get it online you get ten dollars off when you put in the code trenches 10 so we thank jack stack for that but guys let's get to the stuff now because i want to first start talking about alex smith because uh Aaron, I know you know him really well. I had a chance to be around him. Nick, we've spoken about him, uh, but just what he's done this season is nothing short of remarkable. And Aaron, I want to ask you first, just because you have a better idea of the injury and exactly what he overcame and having known him and been around him, uh, what is your reaction when you see Alex Smith running around our football field, let alone throwing for, what, 400 yards uh, in an NFL game again? Yeah, so um, I do have a pretty decent relationship with Alex. We still talk. I talked to him last night. He, typical Alex. He was uh, upset about not winning the game. Had nothing to do with his personal accomplishments. He was very upset about that. Uh, we actually talked more about kids and golf than football. But um, I think one thing that defines Alex throughout his course of his career 
is uh, it's grit, right? Um, the guy's been through pretty much everything that you can come through between uh, benchings, whether he deserved it or not. That's not for us to decide. Uh, trades to different teams, whether it was there or not, never complained, always does things the right way. Um, you know, I, selfish, uh, selfishly, I've started this pseudo's uh social media campaign to get him to be renamed for the player uh comeback player of the year award by the nfl because name a better comeback than his i mean we've all heard the story 17 surgeries you know uh we saw the e60 piece um just just a remarkable story and if you know we've had the pleasure of knowing him and so just being that way anybody would say that this is just pure alex and this is who he is and he just competes nonstop. I think we've all got it. Nick, I want to get your thoughts because I think we all have an Alex story somewhere in there. Probably, you got hundreds of them. One thing I always think about with Alex is it's not surprising uh, that he overcomes this, that overcame this, not just because knowing Elizabeth a little bit and the rock that she was for the family, but even his mom and dad. Uh, Aaron, I don't know how much time you spent around them, but every time we were on the road at a, a hotel, for whatever reason, I was always in the elevator with Alex's parents. <laughs> it was always just us. Yeah. It happened like three weeks in a row on like road games. Mm-hmm. Where about the third week i was just like are you guys stalking me like are you guys following me around what's going on here uh but great people great family uh not surprising but still amazing to to, to witness uh nick what are your thoughts on just what you've seen from alex as a guy that plays in the trenches and you always like when guys show toughness that are skill position players you want to talk about about true grit it's definitely alex smith uh he was drafted i think in 05 by the niners and i I was drafted in 04 by the, the cardinals So my first five years in NFL was in the NFC West and he truly played on, I played on some bad teams and he played on some really shitty teams and he got beat up a lot. And you had all these different head coaches, coordinators, everything like that. And he was just consistent throughout. And you want to talk about a guy who who could easily, easily complain and bitch and say, you know, well, my circumstances were this, uh, were that. And it's like, it was him. I mean, he would, I mean, some monumental like sack rates and things like that. And for him to persevere and to, to come through uh, and then win, just win games, the guy just wins, you know, and a lot of people will, will, will discount him for, for his, his playoff record, but it takes a, a team top to bottom to win. And you never had to worry about him being the issue uh, with Alex Smith and, and just the, the, the comeback. And I agree with you. I mean, to talk about possibly amputee, amputee, amputating your leg, right? To worry, to worry about if you're even going to have two legs and then throwing in the NFL is, is just fucking monumental. It's beyond well, crazy. Beyond yeah, crazy. Not, to, not to mention the fact that, you know, some of us knew it at the time, obviously the world knows it now, but it was beyond just a leg, right? We're yeah. talking, you know, he had a very serious medical condition that went from, okay, now we have to worry about saving his life. Well, then we have to worry about saving his leg. Well, then everything else behind that is gravy, right? And then, mm-hmm. you know, as he even said in the piece and um, has said on multiple interviews, I've been given a, a second chance, so why not try? At least I owe it to myself to try. And as anybody that knows Alex, that's him. Like, he's just yeah. always going to do that. There's just a challenge that was put in front of yeah. him that he can overcome. And you put a challenge in front of that guy. Uh, he's going <laughs> to, he's going to attack it and overcome it. And we talked about this before we started recording it. You know, the one thing that, that I always remember about Alex um, above all else 
as far as like an idea about him where those post game where we get to come, you guys would do after the game, the team goes into the locker room, the coach Reed will kind of address them. You put out those videos after the game of like the breakdowns yeah. where they would go in, they'd get 10 minutes before the rest of the media was allowed in. And then you start asking questions. I get that cool, like 10 minute cool down period. Well, internal media would so be like myself, the radio network and any of our 65 TPT guys who weren't already in there recording coach breaking everything down we would all go in like maybe two minutes before the rest of the media and it was always around the time that Alex was getting changed getting ready to go into the showers before he got dressed and he always went to the podium but I always remember walking in and seeing Alex and he'd take his pads off and he just looked like he got his ass kicked for like 60 minutes black and blue just huge scrapes on his sides and you don't see that after the game you see him showered you see him looking nice you see him at the podium and then I see him struggle to get up you know, the stairs to get on the team plane. And you see all the guys, the offensive linemen, the defensive linemen. I remember Tamba, his last few years, Aaron, like the things that he went through to like put his body through to get on the plane. I don't remember the performance. I remember, holy cow, look what these guys are doing because I'm seeing him afterwards at midnight trying to get on a plane and they're struggling to get up the stairs. Like it's amazing what these guys went through. And Aaron, honestly, and I'm not saying this because you're on there. Like it was amazing. The work that you guys would do with those guys to get their bodies ready every single week. Yeah, and I think it's a testament to Alex again because he'd come in and, like you said, he'd got beat the hell up, right? Um, never complained. I think during my time, maybe missed one practice, if that. He only missed one game, and that was not an orthopedic reason. That was a medical reason. Um, you know, and we held him back. I'm sure he would have played. Uh, yeah. He's probably, I, I don't say this very lightly about many people. I can promise you this. He's the highest level competitor that I ever dealt with in my 12 years in the NFL. Um, The results always weren't always what he wanted, but no one literally no one tried harder or worked harder at it that I've seen. I Nick, I want to get your thoughts on that because honestly, Aaron, I can tell you this. I don't know. I'll look at my friends. Those I probably lost a couple of friendships strictly over people's opinions that I saw on social about Alex yeah. Smith when he was playing here. It was honestly to this day, one of the things that still pisses me off Yeah, when people would talk bad about Alex because throw the ball deep, do this. I'm like, you guys have no freaking <laughs> Just look clue. at 2017. I did quarterback in the league. Yeah. Like he, we don't need to go down that road. It <laughs> doesn't deserve it. But the relationship and the maturity and the mentoring yeah. of Patrick Mahomes was yeah absolutely real and not fake at all. And I, I personally saw it from the first day of training camp. I'll, I've told that story a thousand times, but the stuff that Alex did and the, the warrior that he was and what he did for this program, even what it is today, he still have his fingerprints all over it. But Nick, I want to get your thoughts on just athletic trainers in general, because it's a relationship that no one ever really talks about um, publicly because there's a lot of just sensitivity things, HIPAA, like whatever, I don't know the rules, but there's just certain things you don't talk about when you go into the athletic training room. And I'm just curious what your relationship with like your athletic trainers and injuries or anything that you had while you were playing. So you're, you're mistrustful of your coaches, right? Uh, because, you know, sometimes your coaches will be like, they're wanting to make a change if you're playing not so great. And so you don't want to like give all the information to your coaches. Right. But um, the, the, the trainers will always be there, right? Trainers will, will survive coaching staff changes and, and everything like that. So, you know, those guys, they're not, they're not in it just to, you know, get to, you know, the next coaching staff. They're there to get you well. And, and as a player, you want to do everything you can to not miss playing time, because if you miss playing time, it's uh, Walter Pip, right? Wally Pip, right? It's like, you don't want to miss one day. And so your athletic trainer, like I always had my, my favorite trainers uh, at each team I was on. And it was just something where, you know, they would tape your ankles. You know, you liked how they taped your ankles. 
Uh, you liked how how they they mess with you. And and as a as a player, the trainers were, were rough, man. It was like you walk in the training, you better have thick skin because you're gonna get your balls busted, like absolutely busted. And it was awesome, and, and you loved it. And it was like it was like the inner sanctum from the locker room. It was even like a deeper level into the temple uh, than the locker room was. See, from my perspective, that's what I loved about it because, you know, I'm five, nine and a half on a good day, right? Like, you know, 185. And so I'm not competing out there, but that's my place to compete with these world-class athletes. I can talk shit with the best of them um, and probably better than most of them, quite frankly. Yes. And so, um, you know, as, as I've mentioned to you guys before, we had a slogan that, you know, you had to check your ego at the door in the training room because there were no topics off limit. You know, I could be ragged on just as much as Nick could or BJ could, you know? Um, And and so it's, it's a safe Haven. You know, I spoke to you guys uh, previously about that. We called it Switzerland. It's where everybody kind of felt comfortable. Everybody was neutral. There was very few things that were off topic or um, off, uh, off uh, limits to, to be able to be discussed. And so that's where, anybody could be themselves. And, you know, on camera with you, BJ, people had, you know, they had to be professional. They had to display things, you know, on the field. uh, Obviously Nick knows that um, it got very intense and it's a different story, (laughs) but, you know, I feel like the training room is uh, one of the places where, you know, athletes could really be themselves and kind of let their guard down and kind of just feel safe for lack of a better terms. And that was one of the greatest things about it. You know, aside from on field stuff, I I miss hanging with the dudes in the athletic training room because that's where I probably have my fondest memories of things. Oh, it's so true. Yeah. And and it was like what you said, Aaron, you could let your hair down as a player. Like you really couldn't in the weight room, you could a little bit, but in the locker room you could, but the training room is where you felt safe. When it was, you're right. I mean, I mean, stories, all the stories I heard, it's like, do you hear locker room? I was like, think about it. It was a training room. Right. Because you're there. Like if you're working with me, if, if I hurt my ankle and work with Aaron, he's like icing my ankle or doing uh, mobility exercises, you're training, you're cursing at each other. Right. You're like, you know, I hate you, you know, whatever. And this is bullshit. And like my leg hurts. And you're like, you know, keep going, you big pussy and shit like that. You know, and it's like but that's what it was. You know, it was weird, you know, off not PC stuff at all. Yeah, that, that, that's that, funny. That, I, no, go ahead. I was actually just going to say that I actually was told. And you guys will appreciate this by my wife. Once I got out of the league, she goes, I said something one day. She goes, you can't talk like that anymore. <laughs> I go, well, what do you mean? She goes, that's not cool. I go, that's how I talk every day. She goes, not anymore. It's not. <laughs> I go, oh yeah, I guess I got to kind of learn to tone it down back in society. That's funny. Yeah. It, well, and you, it's context. Too. It's context. Yeah, it's yeah, context, yeah. right? You have guys who are, this is their job, right? They're trying to get well, trying to get better. And it's like, it's just whatever it takes, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever it takes. You talk about that inner sanct, like the sanctity of the locker room and just how important, like, and with coach Reed, it's so important, like d- eliminating distractions and making in making the team, the coaches, the players feel so insulated and it's by design and not in a bad way, but there are even internally within the chiefs and Aaron, I don't know how much you noticed this, but I noticed on the business, there's business and there's football. There's two different sides of the organization and it is one organization. They do a lot of stuff to, to make you feel like it's a part of it. But that being said, there's still a very distinct line on where you can go, where you can't go and where you can be. And even for myself, 
you know, there's certain like cafeteria hours where like that's when the players eat and business right. staff cannot go in there. If they do, they get in trouble. And so there are lines drawn even in common areas where like, BJ, you can't get lunch at this time, even though like I'm around the guys, I enter, they know who I am as opposed to somebody else in the building. But right. the locker room was always open. I could go in there if I needed to talk to somebody uh, and I could go into the training room. But for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's just because the way that Rick held it down or it's because as somebody who played sports at a high level, not that I was at, you know, NFL level, but like I understood that the, way, that, that the athletic training staff is just one of those places, though. It is that like inner sanctum. So I wasn't going in there to like ask guys questions or to hang out. So I'd run in. I'd ask you or Evan or Tiffany or Rick a question. And then I would run out as fast as I can because it's like this is not my area. Like this is not my space because I know how open uh, the conversations got inside of there. But I, yeah. I call down every once in a while. I didn't want to walk down there. I just call you guys like, Hey, who was working with DJ this week? You know, he's back. I want to give credit on the yeah. pregame show to whoever's working with him. But you, you know, know, the great part about that was as an athletic trainer, a physical therapist, like, we, you know, there's tiers in the building, like you say, business staff over here, uh, PR mm-hmm. staff, football staff, and that's yep. by design. And that's credit to Coach yep. Reed, of course, for keeping church and state kind of separated. Um, yeah. But one of the perks of being on my side of things was, you know, we're like 1A, right? Like we could go absolutely anywhere and do absolutely anything. And I was very fortunate to have a great working relationship with Coach Reed because of certain things that we had to deal with. And so I got to see anything and everything that I wanted to. Um, pretty much, you know, understanding the limits of when and how. Right. And so, you know, there's very few people that get that inside look. And I consider myself very fortunate for that regard to be able to go anywhere and do anything inside the building at any time, uh, you know, because not even the players get to do that. Right. Not even the coaches get to do that. And so in those locker rooms, the coaches were actually discouraged from going into the locker room too much to going into the training room too much, because those are considered the players areas to Nick's point to where they feel a little bit safer. And, you know, uh, having coaching staff around will obviously make players a little bit more weary, right? Yeah. To his point. Um, and so I you know, never saw a coach in the locker room. Now that you say that, I never, besides Barry, Barry was allowed. the only one. Barry Rubin, the head strength coach, was the only guy because the weight room is right there. But now that you say that, I never saw a coach in the locker room ever. Yeah. They would get booed. They would but, get booed. By the shoes, the shoes throwing out. Sherman, um, Sherman would boo everyone I, who wasn't a player. I was just going to say, there's a certain person that I won't name that you know, but since you outed it, he would say, "Narc." <laughs> oh, narc yeah, yeah, narc. yeah. He's um, the police officer of the locker. Like he'd try kicking as soon as they let media out, he'd be like yelling at me, just so the rest of the media would hear him yelling at me. And we had a great relationship, but he would yell like not in a nice way, and I'd be like, "I have something I need to do." And There's another certain member of the here. PR staff there still currently, and you know exactly who this is, that Sherm would absolutely belittle every time he showed up. Um, <laughs> what are you doing here? What do you, Why are you here? Get out. Get out. You know? And so, you know, yeah. like you're just not going to find that dynamic a whole lot of places. That's why the NFL facility is such a unique working environment that a lot of people can't even understand. Yeah, so yeah. true. Um, hey, I used to walk naked behind interviews when it was time to go. Yeah. It was like, that would just... Just walk because it was on the way to the shower, and I was like, Hey, it's the locker room. You know, we told you to go, it's time to go, wrap it up. You know, yeah, we're we, in our private time now. 
Kevin Vickerson did that. Yeah. Yeah. That was Kevin Vickers. That one year that he was with the Chiefs, he'd have this gigantic boombox on his shoulder on Wednesdays and he'd turn it up literally loud and walk really slowly by Alex Smith's locker because he was doing media and he had all the media. And you just have this six Kevin Vickerson was humongous. Enormous. Five, 320 pound guy just tatted up with this tiny little towel that barely barely covered him with his big boombox on his shoulder. <laughs> These little media people that are gonna tell him to turn it off. And it's officially referred to as hanging Danish uh, <laughs> around the locker room. In the All right. There we go. All right, Nick, I want to ask you. I gotta ask you this because certain injuries and stories. Yeah. Did you ever deal with any like in, like extended period of time in like uh, did you have any like major injury tear a knee up or yeah. do you do you anything when you're playing? Oh yeah. I, I mean honestly, um most players live in the training room. You always have some sort of injury from week to week, day to day that you're trying to get right. Uh, before the game, because a lot of people, most people realize it now, but NFL week schedules, it's, it's a, it's a build up tear down cycle. And that's all it is. And there are some guys and the older you get, the more injuries you accumulate. And it's like, you know, like I might've hurt my pinky like three years ago, but I'm still getting a buddy tape just because it's what I do now. So, you know, you accumulate all these, these little injuries and stuff. So you're always taken care of and, and you spend so much time and, and, and the worst, and we talked about it earlier, but the, the, the best was when you first got injured, right? Cause there's not much you could do besides, you know, ice and stem and compression. And then it's stunk. Once you had to do like the, the mobile exercises or once you had to do rehab and practice, you know, it was like, Oh my God, it's a lot of work. So that's a lot of things. And that's why you rely on your trainer so much because you just want to go as quick as you can go. They say three to six weeks, you want two to four. And yeah. that's just the nature it's, of these. It's interesting because um, as BJ will tell you, uh, I was one of my time in Kansas City here. I was one of the first people on the field to, um, you know, respond to injuries. And so as soon as we get the player off and, you know, kind of preliminarily diagnosed whether they would go back in the game or not, uh, I would have these conversations with people on the sideline, especially my boss at the time and say, OK, you know, he's got a second degree MCL. You know, he's a defensive lineman. I said, I'll get him back in two weeks. And he said, no, you won't. I go, yeah, I will. Um, <laughs> and, you know, sometimes I get it wrong, you know, like everybody else. I'm not perfect. But uh, those were the little challenges that we played. And to Nick's point, like, uh, you know, I could tell you at 1147 on a Thursday morning because the schedule that this O-lineman was going to come in for this type of ankle tape job because that was his schedule. And I did it every day and so on mm -hmm. and so forth. And I actually don't think that uh, people enjoyed being in the training room with me uh, simply because, I mean, Ron Parker and I used to go round and round and round about this. He goes, look, I'm hurt and I know you're going to get me better, but I'm going to hate these, you know, couple weeks that I'm with you because you actually work me. And that was kind of my reputation in the league. Like I didn't, I didn't let people sit around. And so, um, you know, my, my results, I would say, uh, stand for themselves from a personal standpoint. But I think the way that it helped out the team and kind of set the tone for the room, be like, hey, look, this is not a lay around place. We believe in rest, but we believe in active rest. And so that's what discouraged a lot of the, uh, you know, the hangers on, as it were, from just like hanging out in the training room just because they could. They knew it was a place of business for us because contrary to what everybody in the public thinks, you know, hey, we work for the team. We're going to have the team's best interest at heart. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because guess what? If that player has more success, then I have more success and the team has more success. So why would I not want to do my job to the best of my ability to put a player back on the field and make myself look better, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't ever want – our main qualification was, look, if you're safe, we'll let you go, right, yeah. as long as you're safe. 
everybody thinks that because we used to work for the team that we had all the team's best interests in heart. That is nonsense. I wanted to make a name for myself and put people back on the field. So then they looked better out there. So then I could hang my name to that and go, Hey, look what I did. Right. You know, and that's what we all want to do. I mean, as players, that's what you want to do too. That was our stats. Like that's how we built up our resume. And so, you know, that dynamic between the athletic trainers and the physical therapists and the players uh, was a very unique one that you're just not going to find a whole lot of other places. And that's how we actually got closer. You know, some of these guys in these pictures behind me this way that, um, you know, I got close with because we spent so much time together and I got to know their families and I got to know their kids and, you know, that you're just not going to have that in a whole lot of work environments. And that those are some of the things that I do miss the most about that life. Aaron, honestly, that's part of the reason that you and I got to talking as much as we did because we were separated. I was on the business staff. You were on obviously the football staff, but with like Derek Johnson and Mike DeVito and some of those guys that you work with and brought back during my time where I was like, this is amazing what these guys are doing coming back. And it was like, who is down there? And it was like, it was Aaron. So I remember talking to you about that and that's how we kind of got to yeah. know each other a little bit. But, um, yeah, those dynamics and you talk about Ron Parker. I just, I sometimes I wish there's a lot of things that we could have filmed behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that you can burn the footage or keep it locked in a vault somewhere to make sure it doesn't get out there. But there are a lot of good stories and you guys would absolutely have some of the best there. But um, when it comes to the bye week, because I want to get yeah. into this and talk a little bit about the Raiders, we talk stories all day. And if we yeah. get enough good feedback, Aaron, we'll bring you back on. We'll tell more yeah, stories. Yeah. Uh, until we get so close that uh, somebody gives us one of us a call. <laughs> talking about that. Um, but when it comes to the bye week, uh, I know it's unique this year uh, just because players couldn't go anywhere. Like it was always that kind of everyone looked forward to it. They fly off to Mexico for three or four days. Yeah. But this year you obviously can't go anywhere. You've got to test every day for COVID. Just how much are you looking? How much are you excited to not be there dealing with the COVID? And how much is just that side of your, that, that clinical scientific side of your brain thing, you could probably learn a lot from being inside the NFL of how they're kind of handling this stuff right now. Where do you fall? What are your thoughts on this? Okay. So that's like the biggest question in everybody's mind right now. Uh, obviously I'm still in contact with a lot of my friends around the league, not just here in town, but uh, first and foremost, the amount of workload minus outside of a COVID season is ridiculous, right? Like we, we would work 12, 14 hour days to begin with manage a uh, picture of the players being there. And Nick will tell you this, what time he gets there. We're there two hours before and two hours after just a guarantee every day. So then you put the COVID restrictions on top of that, right? You've got time restrictions in the building, time restrictions on places in the building, where they can be in places, tier one, tier two, tier three, who can be in certain places, and so now that has taken so much away from the actual job of athletic training and physical therapy that 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 means the time that you have with those players has to be all that much more important. Right. So the workload goes up. You know, you're just adding one more thing into a mix of already a gigantic task. And so the bye week in general has always been, you know, the saving grace, right? You, you finally get it. I used to say from the time that you start this training camp on July 27th, whenever it is till February, it's all just different shades of being tired. Right. <laughs> and, so, sure. and you know, you're tired no matter what, it's just a matter of how tired you are. And so the bye week is your chance to like actually exhale and catch your breath and actually see your kids or, you know, catch a soccer game or, whatever. And the last thing I ever wanted to do on the bye week was watch football. So I never did, you know, cause I watched it on 24 hours a day in sports center in a training room. But you know, you get to do those things like go out to date night once in a while and things like that. And now 
you know, those forms of release or forms of, you know, stress relief aren't really there. Um, And so it's just one more thing on top of a crazy year. And I will say to the hometown team's credit, they have been doing a phenomenal job more so than a lot of other teams around the league. Um, You know, with the look, we know it's going to happen to a lot of players and it's not about prevention. It's about mitigation. Um, no. meaning how do you control it once it happens? It's never been about prevention. Sure. You want to try to, but that's not likely. Right. And so, no. um, the hometown team has obviously done a great job. Several other teams around the league have done a stellar job as well. Uh, we've seen some examples of teams that haven't done a great <laughs> job. Um, they shall remain nameless on this podcast. You guys can talk about it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's just the Titans. <laughs> I think it's just one more layer of things to add to an already complicated mix. Right. Um, you know, it's yeah. just, it's, it's an enormous workload. And now you're asking people to do that again on the bye week and, you know, for athletic training staff, uh, we didn't get the bye week like everybody else did normally. Anyway, we might've got three days, three and a half. If we were lucky as the question came out, it was like, he probably didn't get a bye week. <laughs> he probably didn't get, he probably had to work. He probably had a little bit of a, a little bit of one. It wasn't yeah, we usually got a day or two for sure. Completely off. Okay. Or we do split shifts, you know, throughout the week, you know, where a couple of people would take this day, a couple people take that day, but there's never, if you're a medical staff in the NFL, there's not really a day off. There's just really not. And that's just the way it is. And you, when that's what you, you know, agree to by signing up for the job and you're okay with it. You know, trainers don't get sick. Uh, I, I had surgery on my hand. I was at, I was at work the day I had surgery on my hand and at work the day after, Um, you know, so that's just the job that you sign up for. And, and, no, it is too. And I remember even as a player, like uh, the bye week, I would look at the schedule, we get the schedule and and I'd look and I go, where's our bye week? And I would circle it and I would be like, okay, now this is my time to be a normal human being with a weekend off. So I could, I, and you're right, Aaron, I wouldn't watch a lick of football on oh, my time off. Gosh, Hell no. I mean, and, and I think a lot of people don't realize like as us in a normal world, right? We have regular jobs and then we have football on the weekend. And if our team is doing great or doing bad, no matter what Monday, we have our normal job. And if you're in it, if you're a player or a trainer, that's all you have. Your job is the team. So it's like, yeah. you get away from it. So it's yeah. like the thing where it's like the one week where you could just, just get away. I didn't even turn on TVs during bye weeks. And it was just, yeah. it was awesome. It was just great. You just had like, oh, wow, this is Saturday off. Okay, this feels great with no game day stress. Right. I never had to because in April, when the, like two weeks before the draft, you know, when the schedule comes out, my wife would always text me immediately. And she was like, the lifts are open in Colorado. <laughs> like, <laughs> she'd always look at the bye week and be like, all right, it's after November 15th or whatever it is. Like, the lifts are open. We're going to Colorado again. Um, so I always look forward to the bye week in that way. But uh, speaking of the bye week, obviously the Chiefs have a big one this week, and we'll spend this last little segment here talking about the upcoming game against the Raiders. I'm going to ask Aaron a very specific, nuanced question for a reason, uh, because I've been asked this on a couple of different podcasts that I've done this week um, about John Gruden and the Raiders taking the extra lap around Arrowhead Stadium after their win earlier this season. Aaron, you didn't hear this. This is a true story. So after the Raiders beat the Chiefs, John Gruden asked their bus driver before they went back to the airport after the game to take an extra lap around Arrowhead just to soak up the victory. Uh, And then it went public uh, because uh, because these police officers live in Kansas City. What do they think is going to happen? So it gets out. And people are asking, do you think Coach Reed's going to use that as bulletin board material? And you probably have a better way to answer this. Not that you would know yes or no, but I would say, Coach, I don't see him bringing this up because he would know the players would already know. 
Mm-hmm. And there are players in that locker room that do a very good job of collecting, as Nick could say, back on like probably our first episode we ever did. As a player, you collect chips. You collect those any way you can. You put those on your shoulder and you figure out a way when you need to find that motivation to do to get through whatever it is that you're getting through. You find those things. So as petty as it sounds, I absolutely believe that the chiefs and those players will know they took that extra lap. And I said this last night when I did the podcast, the Arrowhead pride podcast with Craig and Kent, I want the first play that Tyron Matthew lays out a guy. I want him to do two laps around the player before he goes back to a subtle, <laughs> like just do a little extra and then just look over the back and come back. That's what I want. I'm going to be completely honest with you. And I, I have no, I didn't even know that happened. Um, exactly. I would say that there's a 50, 50 shot coach doesn't even know that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I would he's, just he's not, a, he's not I would a just be a guy, but because of his relationship with Gruden, he may. But there's also somebody whose job in that building is to yeah. let him know yeah. when stuff like this happens that he's going to get asked about when he does his media. Yeah, literally right now. It's Monday, right? Yeah. Monday at noon. Coach has his presser. I guarantee you coach knows about it because Ted told him you may get asked about John sending him around. Yeah. And he'll say, I didn't know that, but he yeah. will know that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't know about the victory lap on a divisional opponent because uh, you're going to see him again. So you don't want to give him any advantage. But oh. in, in 09, uh, I was with the Saints and, and we beat Philly up in Philly. Uh, we did a victory lap for sure. Mm-hmm. Did you really? Yeah. I, 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 was it a playoff? Like it's a Sean Payton. It's a Sean Payton or a Gruden because they're like really tight. They're like best yeah. friends. And yeah. there's nothing better like when you're a player's coach to to be an a hole. It really is. Like you know, it's mm-hmm. like hey, we 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 came, we saw, we conquered. Now we're out. I would say that it doesn't surprise me. Uh, I've, yeah. had the ple- I've had the pleasure of meeting Coach Gruden a couple times, and uh, yeah. I, I, I doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, he's, a, he's a heck of a dude, uh, but I could see it. I just did, that's that's crazy that that happened. Um, yeah, he does not I, like the Chiefs. He has made that very clear. I, I was unaware. I mean, I knew about Chiefs Raiders before I came to Kansas City. Uh, I was unaware at the level of it. I would say at my time in Philly, that was us and the uh, Giants, probably. Yeah. Um, that was a pretty ugly, you know, back and forth rivalry. It kind of seems that way. Uh, I always, uh, my time in, this is a personal thing. My time here in Kansas city, I was always, you know, I, I, I disliked the, the Broncos and the chargers more just because of the players that were there at the time. Um, okay. but like the Raiders were like the little redheaded stepchild over here in the corner <laughs> that just kind of like bit at your heels and they were, like, they were kind of an annoyance. Right. Um, you know, yeah. we broke the sound barrier against them. That was cool at home. I enjoyed that moment. I have a nice picture of that. Um, it, it, you know, I, I don't need to go into going to the Coliseum. Like th- those stories about that place are no. epic. And, and now it sucks because they have a nice stadium. We can't poke fun of it then. Uh, yeah, I mean, everybody says nice it's stadium. amazing. I mean, it's <laughs> empty, but it's amazing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they're they're out the trailer park, right? Is that what you're saying? They're they're out they're out the uh, the, the bad part of town, right? Yeah, that yeah. and the yeah. Oakland Coliseum was man rocks and fights and little kids mooning you. It was weird. It was it, like wet out of the morning. Yeah. It's just every because of the the three years, Aaron. It was been the last like time that you played there. It just rained every time we were there. So my thought process was just everything's always wet. There's wires hanging down the tunnel that are smoking because they're getting water all over them. It was just it was embarrassing. I'm saying this, and I'm not being hyperbolic. I promise you, we were standing in sewage on the sideline. I mean, literal raw sewage on the sideline, and you could smell it. You could see it. Um, it, It's it was. The place was a dump. 
And when you are showering in the same place that you're doing IVs and there's two stalls in the bathroom for, you know, 70 people in the locker room. And, you know, I, I my locker room was in the hallway on a hook. Um, the, the, tra- the athletic training room was 10 feet by 10 feet. Now, it's a baseball stadium. It is what it is. Yeah. But the fact that the league allowed people to play there, it was bad. I mean, it's, I just, it was a dump. I love that the, the visiting post-game press conference room was the Oakland Athletics weight room. Yeah. And so, like, the camera tripods were actually sitting on treadmills. And the black drop, like, the drop behind Andy Reid is covering up, like, the weight rack, like, all the dumbbells. Yeah. And I just remember before the game, like, that's the only place that we had to put our stuff. So, like, right. business staff, when we travel and we get to the stadium early, we had to take everything off the team buses. And right. we always had our suitcases. And we'd always try to find you guys, like, hey, where can we put this? It was normally wherever you guys would be because there's normally space somewhere. Right. Right. We ask Alan, right, or somebody like, hey, where can we put our suitcases? I just remember Oakland, like we had to put him in the weight room. And then we were trying to like I was trying to change my clothes because I was soaking wet from it being rainy before the game. And Jack Del Rio was using the treadmill. And so they locked it out and nobody could get in it 45 minutes before the game because one of the right. Raiders assistant coaches wanted to use a treadmill. So I'll never forget, like looking in and him just being by himself and a security guard keeping us from getting into my clothes and all my stuff. It was in that yeah. room. It's a, it's a dump. I mean. Waiting in line for a half an hour for the shower and um, just that's a bad place. Yeah. Yes, it was it was a bad place. But uh, thoughts on the game as we wrap up this episode, Nick. What are your two takeaways? Two things you're looking for uh, on Sunday night against the Raiders? Well, I think then Derek Carr's playing with some confidence. You know, I think they're able to to beat that streak of you know winless versus the Chiefs, and you know, so he's riding pretty high with that. Uh, you figuring out the weapons. Uh, figuring out what they have. And uh, I think that they're going to think they're going to try and uh, try and do it again uh, at home. So they, they think that, you know, we're going to break in uh, our stadium versus the Chiefs in, in a positive way. So um, they're playing some decent football right now. They they really yeah. are. So they're, they're forced to be reckoned with. Aaron, what are your thoughts on the game coming up? I have no idea. I honestly don't watch that much football anymore. I was actually talking to the members of the athletic training staff this week, and I had to ask them who they were playing, to be completely honest with you. Nice. <laughs> out of actually, it, out of I actually love that. It was I actually ma- love it. Guys, it was That's Master's awesome. Week. I got priorities. Nice. There you go. It's like nice. everybody I work with. Like, I have to pay attention to the Masters now, or I'm not going to be able to talk to anyone at work. Yeah. Because uh, all they do here at Let It Fly is golf stuff, which makes sense. It started off as a golf company. But, um, yeah, my my takeaway is I said this last night when I joined Craig and Kent that I don't feel like this game is going to be close, not just because Andy Reid's 18-3 and three coming off a bye, and not just because they took the extra lap. Um, I do think that's going to help, and I think it's going to make some of the trash talking or the – me thinking that they're trash talking about the taking the extra lap. I'm just going to assume that when I see something and it looks funny, I'm going to tell that story in my head. The obviously Tyron Matthew is talking about the extra lap. That's why he made that play. I think um, that kind of stuff gets overblown to uh, the fans and the outside stuff. I think as you, I think coaches and players don't care about that. They just show up and play. I don't think they care about the rivalry. Like somebody asked me, like, do the players feel the rivalry? No. But when the fans feel it to a certain extent and the fans of the Raiders are worse to like our players than anything else. I think the ones who do pay attention to social media or do are sensitive to that stuff that I do think that is real. I think you can stir up something. If somebody says something, it's taken out of context. Most of the time it's made up by the way the question was asked or the way you can get creative with how you ask questions to elicit a response that makes it seem like a dig. Like I've seen it. Like that's 
what people do um, in the media sometimes right now. But uh, but yeah, I don't think the rivalry is there, but I do think the Chiefs are going to go out there and stomp the Raiders. I don't think it's going to be particularly close because I do think there is a level of um, not focus, but it's just the Raiders played better than anyone expected them to. Derek Carr is throwing the ball over the yard. He had 173 yards on three completions down deep down the middle of the field. No one expected him to do that because he hadn't done it yet. Now that he got the Chiefs' attention. So for that reason, I feel like they're going to be focused just because it's like, hey, that we woke them up. They're a pretty good team. I'm not going to say the Raiders are bad. It just sucks as a Chiefs fan because they've been so bad for so long that when they're finally decent, they want to act like they're on a different level than they are. That's the petty side of Chiefs fan. It's like, I'm glad they're back to being relevant, but like pipe down, right? Like, yes, you won that game. We did not play well, but you got to do it a lot longer than that before I'm going to take your cockiness. I, I like that. BJ's, BJ's fired up. BJ's fired up, man. Put a helmet on, BJ. That was yes. terrible at football. That's terrible right. at football. Although I did throw yeah. touchdowns at Dearness Johnson last week on our trip. That's okay. coming up. Different story. But uh, before we let everybody go, I want to I want to share a personal Aaron Boardman story, which I kind of shared earlier about you just being a good dude and what you're doing. You do this uh, concierge PT. I'll let you kind of speak to that if you want to plug it. We didn't even talk about this, but you can plug whatever you'd like right now. Um, but I'll never forget, like I called you on the 4th of July because I had el- my elbow was killing me and I was in Manhattan, didn't want to drive. So I literally FaceTime you on 4th of July. And I was like, my elbow hurts. It's like, tell me I'm not dying. Well, <laughs> you, you know, it through and you told me what it was. For so many years in the league, we were expected to be on call 24-7. You know, I had people calling me at 3 a.m. at training camp for aspirin. I had a player call me at the Pro Bowl because he was standing in CVS and he wanted to know what kind of Mucinex to get for his girl. (laughs) um, You know, like, it's hard for me to turn that off now. And so, you know, when I see the phone now... there's I'm sorry people. I took advantage of that then. I no, did not know no. that that was the there, case. But When certain people call, I just pick up the phone or whatever, right? Like, no, I don't do that for everybody anymore, but uh, I, I do send it to voicemail. But, you know, that's kind of what our industry is about, and that's what the uh, the job ingrains in you is that service mentality and making sure that not only uh, players but coaches and staff and wives and everybody gets taken care of, right? And so um, yeah. I try to do that now for my business model, uh, Borgman Rehab Solutions, Um uh, Check it out, the website. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's just what we try to do. I like to And But also, those players who called you from the Pro Bowl um, also um, made no, a rain. at the Pro Bowl. I was oh, okay. on vacation, and they were back home. Ah, uh, gotcha. So, but those players who called you, right, around the holiday time, they took care of you, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. And that, so, yeah. That's, 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 that's just that, a little know, thing. Yeah. Yeah, the yes. dues sheet okay. would always come out, and we enjoyed those. Um, you know, certain players are very grateful and gratitude was, uh, back, uh, you know, and so that's not why we do it. Obviously. No, 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 no. But, it's a but it was always that. nice when people appreciated it. Yeah, exactly. I always like, yeah. I was like taking care of the guys who took care of me in, in an extra way too. And just a little, Hey, go get yourself something nice or have dinner. Or something. Well, my, my favorite story about that was I had a player, uh, give me a brand new pair of J's once. And I, I, I said to my wife, I brought it home. They're like 400 bucks. And, I said to my wife, I am not cool enough to wear these, am I? Too? <laughs> Absolutely not. And so I gave them away to somebody else who had who really enjoyed Jay's. Nice. Uh, so exactly. you know. that's awesome. Because I think I would have said the same thing. Like, I'm not hipster. Like, I'm not cool enough to wear these shoes. This yeah. does not, this is not me. Some people um, tried to wear them. Uh, I couldn't pull them off. <laughs> the last, uh, I think it was Aaron, the last time I saw you, you were with, we won't name said person, person that we both know. Um, and uh, I was fishing with my son. And you called and that guy that you were with 
uh, was giving me a hard time because my son yeah. was catching more fish than I was. Uh, yeah. But it's great to know that you're still working with guys that are good dudes. Um, but yeah, we appreciate Aaron, you for coming on this episode of outside the trenches. Thanks to our friends at Jack stack barbecue for again, making it possible, pick up the outside the trenches game day pack. It's only available the day before and the day of chiefs games. And again, if you go online, it's for carry out only, you go online, you buy it that way, put in special code trenches 10 to get $10 off. It's 50 bucks. You get wings, you get burn-ins, you get pulled pork, cheesy corn, and you get beans and all of the other stuff that you need to go with that should be enough food to feed the whole family. We had it this weekend. Uh, it's good stuff. Obviously, it's Jack Sack, so we know it's good. Nick, before we let everybody go, do you have any parting thoughts? No, man. Thanks, Aaron, uh, for, for Thanks, everything guys. you did. Appreciate it. Yep. Yep. Appreciate Subscribe it. Subscribe to the show. We will see you guys uh, on the live show. Again, it'll be on uh, Jack Sack's Facebook page, Outside the Trenches on Twitter, and on YouTube on the Let It Fly podcast channel. Subscribe to all those channels. Join us for the live show, and we will see you guys next week. Thanks, you all, for listening. O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.